Hey there, I'm Grace. And I'm Amelia. And welcome to the Women Invest in Real Estate podcast, where we talk about getting started in real estate, scaling, and we give you the inside scoop about our day-to-days as full-time investors. Interested in learning how to double your cash flow without the headache of turning your property into a hospitality-based short-term rental? Introducing Midterm Rentals. Register for our self-guided midterm rental profit academy course, where we walk you through step-by-step how to identify, analyze, furnish, market, and self-manage a midterm rental. Sign up at womeninvestinrealestate.com slash MTR Profit Academy and use code podcast for $50 off today. Welcome back, everybody, to episode 13 of the Women Invest in Real Estate podcast today. We have a super exciting topic for you. We're going to talk about midterm rental common misconceptions. Amelia, you want to take the first one away? Absolutely. Number one is that the units in midterm rentals need to be luxury or extravagant. This is a huge myth. And quite Mm -hmm. frankly, most traveling professionals are just looking for somewhere nice and clean to lay their heads at night because they're generally working quite a bit. I am in a couple of Facebook groups that are specifically for travel nurse housing. And there was a post recently where someone was asking for what types of luxury amenities a nurse would want in the unit and the comments were pretty great. So I'm going to read a couple right now. So the first one is, I was like, wow, this is such a good post. Like, I want to see what the comments are just like to gauge whether... Yeah, I was on base with my units or not. And I am. So that's great. The first one said, clean unit and bathroom, good bed, safe area, reasonable cost. My needs are simple. I don't need amenities myself, just clean and safe. Mm -hmm. Nailed it. Grace, we talk about that all the time, how people get short-term rental and midterm rental confused. And there is a difference if you do think you're going to short-term rental it and midterm rental it, then yeah, you might need to go for that super cute, a little bit of luxury vibe. But nine times out of 10, midterm rentals, just exactly like you said, Amelia, they need to be cute, cozy, and clean. And that does not mean putting in a luxury coffee bar, a, you know, all of that good stuff, because the nurses, they don't want to pay for it. They're not there. A lot of my nurses anyways, drive home on the weekends. They travel nurse two to five hours away. So they come to my place for four days and they go home for three days. And they just don't want to pay a lot of money to have a fancy unit. Exactly. A lot of the reason why these women are traveling or men is because they're getting paid a lot more to do so. And so they're trying to save as much money as possible. Like they get an allowance for housing and anything over the allowance that they don't spend, they get a pocket. So they're looking for something inexpensive, but also clean and safe at the same time. Yeah. And another tip for short-term rental is I actually do short-term rental some of my units between bookings. And what I do is because it's not over the top cute and have all the knickknacks that you would want, I just make it super affordable and it always gets booked. And right now I have 5.0 stars on Airbnb as a host. And I just know I'm not going to get that top dollar booking uh, nightly price. But at the same time, I didn't have to pay the money to furnish it like that. Yeah, so, that's a great another, point. Yeah, another way to think about it. I think of my Airbnbs as just like 
middle of the road. You're there to not hang out at the unit. You're there to sleep. And yeah, exactly. That kind of goes into this next one. It just says no bugs, comfortable bed, obviously, because they're pretty much there to sleep and safe area within preferably Mm -hmm. 30 minutes of the hospital kitchen ready to go with an oven slash stove. Yeah. So pretty simple. Not a tall order. (laughs) (laughs) Not looking for a lot. Obviously, you don't want your units to be like bare, bare bones with like a bed, a couch, a TV. Like don't go too bare bones. Yeah. You want it to still feel homey. Right. And you can always add. That's what I always tell people. You can always add. You can always continue to add things to the apartment if you feel that you're not getting your maximum booking and your maximum nightly stay for what you're spending. Exactly. So, yeah, I think that's myth number one. Is there anything that you think we need to add to that one? I would just say, remember, it's not a short-term rental. (laughs) Exactly. Literally, that sums it up. But if you're going to use it as a short-term rental between stays, just price it accordingly. Exactly. We're going to move on to myth number two. And I love this one. And I kind of believed this one, actually, when I started. And that is that midterm rental is not for just nurses. I have now had, I had a teacher move in yesterday who's moving to the area and didn't want to rent or buy until he kind of knew his way around. So he gave me three month booking. I've had different, I know Amelia, you have a ton of different people. Why don't you dive into some of those? Yeah. So in the Des Moines area, there's obviously a bit of development going on as the city is growing. So I've housed all sorts of construction personnel. I've also housed solar panel technicians, wind turbine technicians, because Iowa has a decent amount of wind turbines, actually. And they're bringing people in that are only working one to three month contracts in the area. So they need a place to stay and they don't necessarily want to live in a hotel for that entire time. So that's a huge one. Yeah, your Starbucks employee. Yeah, that. Oh, I forgot about that. So that one goes into one that we have on our list here: corporations or businesses. So mm-hmm. there's a new, brand new, fancy Starbucks in town. Obviously, Des Moines has lots and lots of Starbucks, but um, for this one, they brought in an employee from a branch in Minneapolis um, to come and kind of get this started. So they brought in a manager from another city and he needed a place to stay for a few months. So he rented from me. We also have friends who rent to international students. A lot of time these students, if they don't want to live in the dorms, they need a place that has furniture because they're not going to be here forever. So they don't really want to go through the process of buying a Mm -hmm. bunch of furniture. So They'll just rent a place fully furnished. Um, And then, Grace, I know you've explored the insurance route. So do you want to talk about that a little bit? Yeah, that's another big one. I've had people reach out to me from Furnished Finders about helping place clients who have been displaced because of an insurance claim. I've yet to rent to them, although I did inherit an insurance claim tenant once. And then the other even bigger one is people who are in between houses because they've sold or moving to the area. I touched on that with that teacher, but get in touch with the local realtors. I have a few realtors who send people my way. Somebody who is selling their house September 1 and doesn't close on their next house till November 1. They need two months to stay and they're going to pay a good amount of money to have it be furnished and be able to just sign a two-month lease. So that's a big untapped chunk, I think, of the market for midterm rentals. 
What would you say, Amelia, out of all of the tenants that you've placed for midterm rentals, what percentage would you say have just been your regular travel nurse? Good question. Actually, at this point, it's crazy because I've been doing it for about a year and I have six units. So three month call. I've had a lot of tenants. So it's hard to think back. I would say mm, 70% have probably been travel nurses. If just off the top of my head, if I had to guess, uh-huh. but 30% have been something else. So I know that's, that's more than I figured you were going to say. I, I figured you were going to say about 80%, but just goes to show. Yeah. And I really liked some of the construction personnel too, because they stayed for a lot longer than three Mm -hmm. months actually because they the project kept getting extended and whatnot so I loved that but yeah I actually had a construction two construction workers a couple who rented for a couple months they were gonna stay for a year I let them sign just a month to month and they decided they wanted to move because they were from Texas and wanted a garage They were scared of the winter. So I was really sad I lost them because I thought I was going to have them for a year. But they were construction. They were not travel nurses. So again, another example. And then one final example I want to give. I have not rented to this group of people, but I know a local investor who is in with like all of the roofing, gutter, siding crews who come from out of town and need like a place to stay for a month. And he actually would always rent his places to them because they would cram like five, six people into two, three bedrooms and pay top dollar. And he didn't even furnish them. They would bring air mattresses. He said all they did was sleep. And they would eat out all three meals. They would work 12 hours a week. They'd come back. They'd sleep. They'd shower. And so he had his little niche going of renting to those people. I've never done it. But again, just shows there's so many types of people who need shorter term housing and more than likely furnished. Yes. And I did briefly touch on this, but I wanted to add one more is I mentioned the corporations or businesses. The person who stayed with me from Starbucks booked himself. But there's a lot of times where corporate housing requests will come through where it's a large business or corporation who has people coming into town frequently enough that they just want to rent a place for a whole year. And so then it's just under the business name and they can basically, their employees can use it as needed. So that obviously is going to work better in larger cities, but is definitely an option as well. And those units tend to be the nicer units. They're just the more luxury type of unit. Executive stay sweet executive (laughs) sweet yeah definitely an option so okay the third myth is that mtr tenants are always the best tenants and (laughs) this is generally true i would say generally generally i would say 95 percent of the tenants that i have had have been some cream Mm -hmm. they've been cream of the crop tenants they've been some of the best tenants maybe one or two have not been the best tenants grace what about you Yeah, I would say I've probably had probably 20, 25 MTR tenants at this point. And all of them except for really one have been really great tenants. However, I did have a tenant who I had to terminate a lease on and they kind of went crazy on me. We will dive into that another podcast episode. If you follow me on Instagram, you've heard me reference it a few times. But yeah, like Amelia said, 90% of the time they're clean because they're never there. They always eat out. So they're never cooking. They're quiet. They don't know anybody around. So they're really great tenants. 
However, that does not mean that you can't get a horrible tenant. You still can. And I did, <laughs> but only once. So all in all, I like the way that my midterm rentals, my midterm tenants take care of the properties, but you can still have other issues with them. So that's just the myth I wanted to bust. Yeah. Just in the episode before this, I think I talked about how one of my midterm tenants was caught abusing the Wi-Fi basically. <laughs> um, so now it's like not that big of a deal, but like small issues can arise. I've never had somebody leave a unit trashed or anything like that. Maybe some have Mm -hmm. been messier than others, but nothing outside of like something that my cleaner couldn't just take care of in a normal cleaning. So I I will say I had a gal who her lease got her contract got canceled. This was like a year ago, practically. And she told me like, hey, I'm out. My contract got canceled. And I was like, oh, went to her unit. She left all of her stuff, like all of her food, fridge pantry stuff on the table she took like her clothes and all that good stuff but I was like really like you just left all of your groceries and that was fine it took me 20 minutes to clear it out and it was fine but I was just like that is bizarre like yeah you and she knew I was the owner and at that point I was also the cleaner so she knew she was leaving it to me not a different person yeah that's strange other than that People have left it in great shape. I would say sometimes, I would say on one or two occasions, the tenant has left the unit cleaner or just as clean as when they moved in. I mean, like did a top to bottom scrub on the place. And I'm just like, wow, thank you so much. Like you're the best. Yeah, I love that. Oh, actually to talk more about how great tenants are. I know this was a myth that some are always great, but one of my tenants recently the bed kind of broke like this tenant's been there for three months and then he extended his contract for three more months and he messaged me he I literally never hear from him he's great but he messaged me he's like hey like one of the legs on the bed is kind of bent and it's getting kind of uncomfortable to sleep and I'm like oh I wonder why like what's going on there but I ordered uh, I had that happen with the tenant too (laughs) so I actually just was like, hey, I'm just going to order you like a new bed frame. If you want me to come over and put it together, I'm happy to. But he actually was like, no, I'll just take care of it myself. Like, thank you so much for the offer. I'm like, oh, I appreciate those tenants so much because it just makes my life so much easier. They're just the best. Yeah. I had a bed shaking story as well. It was a couple, an older couple actually, probably (laughs) in their 40s or 50s. And at like 7 a.m. I get a text that the bed collapsed. (laughs) Oh my God. I had not heard that. I wonder why. We And we got him a new bed and it was fine. And it was a three bedroom place. So for one night they went and slept in a different bedroom. But I just, me and Brant had a, had a little laugh at that one. <laughs> That's funny. Is that, was it one of the metal black bed frames from Amazon? No, we used that second. It was a, it was when I was still using like Facebook marketplace. So it was mm. like a really cool upholstered bed frame. But I think, I feel like I must have been missing a piece or something and <laughs> it just did did not hold up well. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. Yeah. Okay, this is a bonus myth that I actually added as we were filming the episode. <laughs> so I hope you see that in the chat, Grace. But this one is that midterm rentals only work in large cities. And that is definitely a myth. Uh, yes. Grace, how big is Cedar Rapids? Do you know? Cedar Rapids is 120,000 
people, but I live in a town of a thousand and I know for sure midterm rentals would work here. Yeah. So so Cedar Rapids in Iowa is not that small of a town, but I've had midterm rentals work in a town as small as 5,000. And most recently, I have a midterm rental that's starting up mid-October in the lake town where I own my short-term rental cottage. We're converting that into a midterm rental for the winter just because short-term stays significantly drop during the winter months Mm -hmm. since it is a lake town. But I put the listing on Furnish Finder and literally two hours later had a tenant that had paid the deposit and booked. Mm -hmm. I have another good example for that. There is a small town um, of, I don't know, 3,000 people, probably 25, 30 minutes away. And I've noticed that I keep getting their travel nurses. They keep booking my units. So I go and I look to see if there's anything in that small town. There's nothing, but there's a hospital. For some reason, this town of 3,000 has like a decent sized hospital. So I'm on Zillow seeing if I can buy a house in that town to do furnished rentals on because I know that it will get booked because I get all the tenants 30 minutes away. So it's stuff like that, that obviously if there was already a bunch of furnished rentals, it would never work in that town. But to be the one and only... You can do really mm-hmm. well. And in a lot of small towns, you will be the one and only. Yeah. And then you have a monopoly, baby. <laughs> like- right. Yeah. So like just to give you guys context, the lake town is about 10,000 people. But the city next to it, which is about 15 minutes away, house has the large hospital where these nurses are mm. working. And I think Mason City is probably like maybe 50,000 maybe 50,000. So actually, I think it's less than that. But either way, it's a small, smaller town. And this flew off the shelf. So don't discount smaller towns. Never discount. And another, a third example of that is Amelia and I were just talking to our friend Jesse, Jesse Dillon yesterday about how she's outside of the Boston area and has realized that the housing in Boston is so incredibly expensive that it actually makes sense to target the smaller towns around it to offer a half price MTR because people are paying three, four, five thousand dollars in Boston. So if you can offer an affordable one, even though it's a bit of a commute, maybe even an hour commute, people are looking for that because they don't want to pay that. So find those niches and fill it and be the only person doing that and you will have no problem filling Absolutely. your mental. Yeah. And if you are looking to learn more about midterm rentals, we have a course all about it. So you can catch that on our website. It's womeninvestinrealestate.com under courses, MTR Profit Academy. So definitely take a look at that. Uh, Is there anything else you want to add? Yeah, I actually want to add my own bonus myth as well. And I know we had (laughs) talked about this. But I do want to bring it up. I think that a lot of people, when they think of midterm rental, they probably want to account for a higher vacancy because they think, oh, short-term rentals have high vacancy. So this is a midterm rental. So I should probably do a vacancy, use a vacancy number in my analysis between long-term and short-term. And I think that's a good idea. And when I first started, I used 10% because I just had no idea. But if I went back and did the math, my vacancy has probably been gosh darn near zero. Like Mm -hmm. I get someone to move out and someone's in six hours later. And I know that you're the same way too, Amelia. Yeah. 
definitely. I don't want a unit sitting empty for one second longer than it has to be. (laughs) But yeah, I really would say that my vacancy, I would say my vacancy on my midterm rentals has been around 5% just because I've purposely kept it blocked off for certain times between turnovers because I was out of town Because I'm still having to do the laundry. My cleaner doesn't do the laundry. So I have to make sure that I'm physically here to do the laundry. So sometimes I have it blocked off for a few days. But that's of my own doing. If I didn't do that, I think my vacancy would be like zero like yours. Yeah, you could definitely hire that out. I I could. the neighbor tenant. Oh, you don't have the laundry. We have laundry. There's one washing machine and one dryer at the unit that's coin operated, but it's small. Like it's not really big enough to handle bedding. I could hire it out, but like, meh. At this point, I don't, I haven't yet, but we'll see. Yeah. All right. Well, that's all the myths I got. Me too. So thank you so much for listening and we will catch you in the next episode. Thanks so much for tuning in. If you loved today's episode, please leave us a five-star review wherever you listen to your podcasts. And don't forget to check us out and join our community at womeninvestinrealestate.com and follow us on Instagram at wirewithtwoeyes.community.